The thing is not how you are on your best days, how can you step up on your worst day? When everything is going terrible, when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you're edgy, how do you treat other people? Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. On this episode, Richard Bellelli chatted up during a rare day of sun in the midst of a gloomy spring. The writer's strike has us thinking of great old TV shows like Rome and Narcos. Tina Turner has left us at 83. Sonic booms. Compromises and modern Florida parents finding the Statue of David more offensive than actual witch burners of 500 years ago. Things are getting weird, and here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, Batten down the hatches and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 238. Man, the sun is out. Yes, it this is. This is extraordinary. Yes, I haven't seen the sun in, as Johnny Cash would say, I haven't seen the sun in I don't know when. I don't know when. Yes. That's because you're stuck in Folsom prison. May Gray prison. Yes. I've stood at that observatory for um, four of my past six shifts with nothing but clouds in the sky. It's a whole bucket of disappointment. Yeah, that's. I can see how that would be a bit of a problem in an observatory. I don't think that'll be a problem tonight. It's looking pretty nice. No, tonight looks good. Temperature's still cold, though. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, I meant to mention, we'll get to it later, the whole Pedro Pascal problem with uh, Savannah. Mm-hmm. I got a Jason Moma problem at myself. Yeah, well, again. Good choices. Hot man. Yeah, what Ooh. are you going to do? You yeah. can't deny it. Not much to argue there, no? for sure. And what good would it do? <laughs> and to get the ball rolling, yes. um, we might as well... Well, one uh, new one in terms of, this is for History on Fire, but like some sweet folks who sent me some meat that's Ooh. always appreciated. These guys are only bison. They only do bison. Oh, that's awesome. It's called uh, DakotaPureBison.com. And then you use the code HOF, as in for History on Fire, HOF10 for a 10% discount. So if you are in the market for some cool bison products, DakotaPureBison.com, code HOF10. Did they send you steaks? Yes. Man. And their jerk is amazing and uh, all sorts of stuff. One thing that they do that's cool is because most people will get just the steak, the these. They also do what's called ancestral burger, where they just do from the bison heart and liver, which is stuff that most people are not going to consume. They do ground meat out of it because they feel like, we don't want to waste, you know, that's messed up. So they actually taste good. It is definitely gamier, but it tastes good. Bison just delicious. Yeah. So Did you see they had to do a big call? I guess that's Yellowstone? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Crazy. But at least they were down to like, 
18. No, it's fantastic. It's uh, the resurgence of the bison is one of the happy success story of uh, environmentally of the 1900s because in the 1800s it looked pretty gloom for a while. Unbelievable. But yeah, check those guys out. Um, of course, we want to give thanks to the sweet folks uh, who sent me wine in the past, Home Cellars and MateraWines.com. Speaking of sweet folks, one thing that I'm going to ask you guys, if you are able, beside, uh, of course, people who donate, that's always deeply appreciated. But one thing that doesn't cost you a dime, that really helps, if you can click and give a like to uh, a few things, like, for example, or subscribe. I did um, starting a Substack page where I'll have some free stuff. Some will be paywalled, but you don't have to do that. You, if you just do the free stuff, I'll have a Substack I have, uh, of course, if you are interested in Patreon for History on Fire, that one does require cash, but the other stuff does not. I'm going to be on the lookout. I'm going to be starting a YouTube channel for History on Fire. I'm probably even going to go the TikTok route. I'm trying everything to try to get more eyes to go on History on Fire and get the ball rolling. So, And, of course, the oh, easiest thing you can do, because these are not ready yet, one that you can do today if you can do me a big favor and hit the subscribe button on uh, Isabella's channel where she posts her music, doesn't cost you a dime, takes you about five seconds to do, and is a kind thing to do for some 13-year-old who's excited about pushing on her music. So if you can subscribe to her channel, I'll put it in the episode notes. Also, there are not too many Isabella Hanbolelli, so if you Google the name Isabella Hanbolelli, her YouTube channel will come out. There are no others, so that she's makes it easy. She's a one easy. of one, huh? Yeah, she's a one of one, so that's, that would be sweet. But it's in addition to exhorting people to do such kind of things, let's say thank you to... Let the pottering begin. Globalhobos.com, Ed and Carrie O. Joseph Lord, Samuele Rudelli, Jim D'Amico, Stephen Rado, Eric Adam Collins, Donald Chip Witten, Lane Raper, Luis Pesquera, Yanili Nima, Jesse Rantakanga, Saron Weisner, Clayton Payne. Thank you for supporting the Drunken Taoist. It is deeply, deeply appreciated. Anything else we need to throw out there before we roll? Keep it out or keeps marching on. Feel free to join up, sign up, get a loan, get it back, loan again. It keeps going on. Always awesome. Cool. Let's roll. Dee-dee. I have 27 peppers in. I have 12 tomatoes. Nice. The chard is bolting out right now. I'll probably get a couple thousand seeds off of that. I'm big on seeds now. Especially like at the last house we had them in a wood cabinet out in the garage. Yeah. And rats ate my entire seed collection, like four years of stuff we had harvested. Because I learned how to like just separate the gel off the tomato ones. So I had like the best stripies ever. They ate them all. Sunflowers, I mean, ate them all. They ate it all and shit everywhere. Of course. I just threw the furniture away. It's like, mm. I'm not a fan of rats.
No. Definitely. Anything from the Black Plague to... I'm just not... Uh, to squealing humans. Yes. Not a fan. But yeah, man, this year, with the weather the way it has been and so cold and everything, I yeah. haven't really planted early on. And now it's damn June and I still haven't planted and I'm going to be spending a bunch of time away during summer. So I'm like, I may not have a garden this year. This sucks. The rain was weird. It definitely, uh, it definitely affected us. What have yeah. I done? There we go. Um, the rain was weird because it held us off for six weeks for sure. Right. Because you just can't really be shoveling when it's going to end. Damn, did it rain. Yeah, yeah. Which was delightful. And look what it's done. I tell you, just driving in today, because it's like the first day with sunlight yeah. in probably two weeks. Yeah. The fieriness of flowers is amazing. Yeah, for those of you guys who are not in this area where we are recording, talk about a weird climate. You know, we have had, uh, it's been gloomy as hell, so much for sunny California. There's no sun. It's fairly cold. It's June and they have like two layers on. Yeah, well, I don't um, think we've seen 70 more in like twice yeah, it's this bizarre. Year. It's really bizarre. It's very, very strange. And of course, you know, fast forward two months, it's probably going to be like 110 or something. But it's uh, it's an odd weather, to say the least. So and It's going to be El Nino, too. So yeah, the rain shall, will return in the fall. We shall see how that pan out. But um, on a different front, I'll tell you something fun. Those uh, You ever seen Ozomatli live? Not live. You haven't seen them live yet. Those guys put on a live show that you wouldn't believe. If you want to check out, if it's uh, if you guys like live music and you have a chance to ever see the band Ozomatli, do it. They, I like them a lot, just their music. You know, I just like listening to their songs. But seeing them live, seeing them perform, take whatever you find likable about their music and dial it up to 10, and that's where it's at. Those guys know how to put on a show. They get everybody happy and moving, and they are so fun. But then, because those guys are also so sweet, and, you know, from knowing them personally, they hooked up is uh, she went... Uh, she had, uh, they did a concert in Solvang, up a little bit north from where we're at in California, and uh, they... Um, and he's got to go on stage and play a song with them. It was fun. It was just uh, it was just fun being backstage. It was fun for her to get to go on stage with them for a song. It was it was all a, a blast, you know. It was and it was funny because she they had no soundtrack before. She absolutely couldn't hear herself. It was just you know, when I, you know, she got to see the chaotic nature of that business. Absolutely. But it was funny because they were like, you know, by the last song nobody will care like you could screw up royally and they are all so happy and that they will barely notice if anything at all so they're like we don't care just let's go play and see if you can hear yourself great if you can't no worries and uh, that was fun it was a good experience for those of you guys who don't know solving is a weird place it's uh you walk in and it's like the architecture and everything is this style of like this Danish village, which of course is a little bit like Disneyland because you know it's Danish the way uh, uh, the way Disneyland would do here now in Denmark. This is what it looks like. Many windmills but, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's it's a cool town. I liked it. Former home of uh, Pea Soup Andersons was it? Which they had signs. It's sort of like the Rock City of California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Between the mystery spot and Pea Soup. 
and just billboards every 40 miles up and down the freeway. About checking out the Danish place. Yeah. Just checking out their stupid restaurant with pea soup. It's apparently like really shitty pea soup. That- I- I'm not exactly excited to try anything. I so think I'm that would like, be the last thing I would try. Uh, I'm good with skipping on that. <laughs> but uh, so, the, um, oh, we yeah, might so as well. So you got Lompoc up there. Yeah. So and then um, the NASA base is there. Yeah. They shot. Do you can you see those from here? Because they shot off a couple Starlinks over the past three weeks. No, yeah. What I do here is that I'm slightly less than pleased with Elon Musk at the moment because every other second there's a SpaceX launch and the entire house shakes and, you know, dogs freak out and the whole thing. Yeah. You guys don't get it where you're at? We get it. We know where to look because we're a little further away. No, I'm not even going about looking. I'm like, you're minding your business in your house and your whole house feel like it just got shooken oh. by a giant because of the sonic boom. Oh, sonic booms. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, I think the last couple launched out, but yeah, that will surprise you. Yeah, and I'm always like, and you can tell it's not an earthquake because you don't feel the earth shaking under you, but nonetheless, your whole house is getting rocked. And then you got to go look and see where the mushroom cloud is. Yeah. It's never there. Not fun. I don't like the Starlinks anyway. Yeah. They're going to ruin astronomy. But yeah, so I'm not a fan, to say the least. Oh, speaking of music, let's throw in... Um, this is a different thing. This is not with Osomatli. Isabella went to Mexico. She had a chance to uh, perform with these musicians where you know, they asked ahead which three songs she wanted to do. So she gave them uh, Respect by Arita Franklin, uh, Turn Your Lights On, Santana and Everlast. And uh, what was the other one? I think it was an Amy Winehouse one. So I think coming up, this one is... Respect. Suck it to me, suck it to me, suck it to me. Tina Turner died. I saw that. It's amazing. She was like, she was the background music for the 80s in a huge way. She had an incredible voice. I mean, Tina Turner is just, you know what's funny is like, realistically, there are only a couple of songs of her that I listen to on a regular. Yeah. But those songs are so good. It's like, man, she had a voice that. Well, when you start going through like, I mean, even the ones you didn't listen to, it's like, oh my way, I do kind of remember that one. I do kind of remember that one. I think the old Proud Mary when she was like, yeah, one of my favorite, favorite. That's amazing. That one's just, she is just shrieking. Yep. 83. Not a bad life. No. On the Death Watch, Tina Turner said, but again, she was old and she had been sick a while. Yeah. I was completely, really sad to see uh, Ray Stevenson 
he's uh, the actor from uh, Rome in yeah. particular. He did other things. He did a bunch of other stuff, but that's the one that I remember him from the most. Yeah, he was great. Man, 56 years old. I know. Yeah, poor guy. I don't, they didn't, at, at least at the time and we're recording, they didn't announce what happened, but it sounded like a sudden thing because he wasn't like, he was filming stuff. He had plans for filming more things. So it wasn't like a slow illness kind of stuff. Must have been something sudden. But yeah, if you have never watched the TV series, the HBO series Rome, yeah. do yourself a favor and check it out. It's, uh, of course, really gritty, really rough, but incredibly well done. It's sort of Game of Thrones before there was a Game of Thrones. Well, he's Mance Raider too, isn't he? Yeah. Was it? No, that's the other guy. Man's Raider in Game of Thrones oh. is the guy who plays Caesar in uh, Rome. Oh, you're talking about the guy who is the legionnaire? Or the... Yeah, Titus oh. Pullo. Oh. The... oh, I thought the wrong guy. Yeah, no, no. Both those guys were great. Yeah, both excellent actors. Oh, but hell. Yes. Yeah, he's got to be older. Yeah. Man's Raider fella. He's got to be. Yeah, whereas Ray Stevenson wasn't really, wasn't old. It was like mid-50s or something. And uh, But yeah, incredible actor. Titus Pullo is one of my old time favorite characters in television he's just so the way he delivers his lines the way he is just so funny so he's an absolute brute in some way but you there's a line that at one point one of the ladies describe him as uh, the cheerful brutish one which captures the vibe right because he's very there's a joy to him, there's a certain enjoyment of life, but he's just a tad prone to violence. And uh, the, there's a scene in particular that I always remember, and I thought he was a fantastic acting job. He's playing dice with these other guys in a Roman tavern, and the guys are cheating him, and he doesn't realize it, and he's losing more and more money, and he's getting peace, and the guys are having a blast because they are just working him. <laughs> and all of a sudden he notices and you see his face and it goes from normal face to just eyes of steel and the next second there's no gap between his mind going cheating to when he has a dagger in the guy's throat and it kind of conveys the vibe of the character because he's so just quick at turning it on but yeah, man, Ray Stevenson, incredible actor. Anybody that I've heard who knew him said, really generous, sweet guy. So check it out, man. Truly, if you haven't watched the Rome TV series. And again, if you are easily disturbed by a lot of violence and blood, probably not the series for you. But if you are cool with Game of Thrones type of things, absolute masterpiece. I'll never forget the sacrifice of the bull. Oh, yeah where the lady got showered in the blood of the bull that, that was, got sacrificed. That was and, wild. Uh, yeah. And what I love about it, and I keep using it even like by now, it's almost, it's not quite 20 years, but almost. I think it was 2007 the last time they, I think yeah. it was 2005, 2007 that it ran. I keep referencing it because they, to me, when it comes to historical fiction, there's no better example than Rome. Because what they do is that they are not a documentary. You know, They are not going to tell you everything that happened exactly as it happened. They take liberties with the story, however it fits there. But it's plausible. You know, you, you buy, like, the vibe of the whole thing, you buy it. Then, you know, they are mostly faithful to the main historical events, and then they tweak the biographies of a few people, turning them however it suits their story. 
but man it's so do you vaguely remember it the show oh, yeah, yeah. I absolutely remember what did you it. like about it well that was when the, that was their first big move in this direction mm-hmm. and it was just everything was so top notch yeah the costumes yep. the set design of course the actors it felt like you were there yep you know it wasn't they didn't go down to the rental hall and get the costumes they made all that shit brand new yeah. just the the armor was incredible the weapons were perfect they didn't mess around that's why they only went two seasons because they were planning on going five and it was actually doing well but yeah. it was so obscenely expensive oh yeah that, and especially because they were planning on doing Game of Thrones, they were like, we can't do two shows that are this expensive. You know, it's like, yeah, they recreated the ancient Rome on the set. They did. Uh, and what was fun about it is that typically all those movies about the past, they tend to focus on like some famous character is like the Caesar. And, and you know, you have that in, in Rome. You do see the high level of Roman society. But then you see through the two lead characters that are fictionalized, you yep. see how the low level of Roman society and how they interact those two worlds with one another. And had to go home and deal with their families and yeah, all those yeah, sort of yeah. things. And, Where uh, you been for 12 months? Yeah, yeah. Or they live in this, you know, you see, they even did it intentionally multiple times. Sometimes you see the rich people's party and the poor people's party and they cut back and forth between these two worlds and they... But man, what a good show. I think I'm due. I watched the whole series probably three times. I think I'm due for number four. Well, good luck finding it on HBO Max. They may not have it anymore. Really? They, Why? They've sloughed off so many things. Now that really? Max. Oh, yeah. There's all sorts of madness with all that. Like they don't keep it in catalog or? Yeah, they're like getting rid of stuff. Like they're pawning it off. There's things that used to be on HBO. Yeah. But now that they're switching to this new version, they're going to be on Hulu. They've sold it to other channels. Oh, they give it to other channels. The streaming stuff is crazy. Of course, there may never be television again, because I think the DGA is joining the writers this week. So it's the strikes are getting intense. Well, I don't have the exact numbers, but they took a look at what the Netflix CEOs were making. Oh, yeah. I think the dude brought $91 million home by himself. Yeah. And then his underlings, there were several 50, 40 millions. Yeah. The Writers Guild themselves said, you know, to settle up with what we deserve from what it would be like from the old days, it would be $60 million. Yeah. And you can't, you, you guys get to take all that home, yeah. but you didn't make them. Not exactly. You just bought them. And Netflix alone yeah, was, this was just more Netflix. in, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. No, it was pretty ridiculous. It's not that surprising. I don't see it being settled. Because I mean, they, they won't even they don't even want to talk about the AI thing. Because no. there's nothing, there's nothing uh-uh. these production companies would love more than to cut the writers Care out. Get rid of all of them, yeah. So this grand, I mean, secession just ended, Barry just ended, Ted Lasso, which that's sappy, but man, yeah. did I like it. And it may have more to do with it. It's just a gentle thing, especially in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. But they finished all three of them up in an excellent way, and that just may not even be available anymore. Yeah, no, that sucks. I'm still... What did I watch recently that I thought was pretty... Oh, HBO Max, actually. Um, you ever seen The Warrior, the one based on the writings of Bruce Lee? It's set in uh, Chinatown in the 1870s. No, that sounds cool. It's a good show. It's intense, but uh, so far I'm finishing season two, but I think that season three is coming out this summer. And there was a long gap between season one and season two because it was used to be on Cinemax season one, which of course kind of started dying off. Then it became, uh, so it looked like it was dying, but then HBO Max picked it up. They did a season two and now they are releasing a season three. 
man it's a good show i was um i'm not gonna spoil anything for people who want to check it out but like there's a whole episode that's basically this race riot with uh, irish immigrants fighting trying to destroy all of chinatown and of course but that is historically well i don't know about the specific stories blown out of proportion there was never a riot of that scale but like the specific the details are historically accurate in the sense that the story is of course you're gonna have uh, the war between poor people as uh, you know the chinese are willing for to work for extra cheap because they have no other option whatsoever and so they are undercutting the irish who are trying to get a little bit more money and they are also poor as fuck and of course the people exploiting both sides are laughing all the way to the bank in the meantime y'all go ahead and fight yeah but at the street level that's what's happening right and man the way they shot and and it's calling it a scene doesn't do it justice because it's half of the episode pretty much but the way they shot the whole thing is uh it's intense man like you do get a feel for what it was like like they have uh to kick it off they have this scene of a lynching and it really delivers so what that look like what the the energy of it all and it's ugly and disturbing and then you know they kind of throw in the whole they enter chinatown they try to destroy chinatown the chinese gangs get into it to try to stop them and it becomes like martial arts galore but beautifully shot with a bunch of bruce lee quote anything from the actor just wiping his nose a la bruce lee <laughs> and doing the thing or doing so i don't know man i love it i i'm partial because i like shannon bruce's daughter and she's uh, one of the producers but uh but I like the show a lot. Did you ever see Narcos? Yeah, I just finished actually. I, I watched um, I watched Narcos Colombia. Yeah. And uh I then I tried to watch Mexico and I wasn't as into it. Pedro Pascal though. Pedro Pascal is fantastic. Um he's an incredible actor and he uh I've had to hear a lot about Pedro Pascal from Savannah who ah. think he, she think he's a god and you know can disagree can be mad the guy is awesome but um, but yeah incredible and the guy who plays uh, for those of you guys who don't know Narcos is based uh, the first season I'm sorry the first three seasons actually are all set in Colombia the rise and fall of first Pablo Escobar Man, man of the people narco trafficker of the air and then <laughs> of his rival the mede yeah, he's actually the medellin cartel and the other guys are um the other one is the cali cartel of yeah. course and uh it's great the, the dude who plays pablo escobar in the series is such a good actor because you look at him and he's wearing this like the equivalent of christmas sweater every day <laughs> like the ugliest <laughs> t-shirts you could possibly wear with the Worst color coordination. He's chunky and looks like always he just got out of bed and he's the scariest guy ever. You know, the way he delivers his slide, you're like, whoa, Escobar is for real. And <laughs> they do a great job though, because they don't really rom- it's interesting. They don't romanticize it at all. Mm-mm. They show you Escobar for the monster that he was in many, many, many ways. And they also show you why people like them. Yeah. And then when you start going like, oh, Pablo, that they're like, they remind you, no, this is a real monster, like a terrible, terrible person. And so it kind of constantly messes with you between, 
you know, you follow his story, so you're kind of beginning to sympathize, and yeah, then you remember. That's such a bad, oh. Who the hell am I sympathizing with? This guy just bombed a plane with a bunch of innocent <laughs> people who's doing all these terrible things, you know? So it's, uh, but yeah, what a series. Um, Narcos is great. Mexico, I couldn't get through it. I started, wasn't bad, don't get me wrong, but yeah. especially after seeing Colombia, I was like, eh, 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 don't care that much for it. I just have a fascination of, do you think the messages we get about the cartels are as accurate as they're delivering to us? Or yeah. are they, or they, would certain elements of our government prefer that Mexico tourism be scuttled a bit? I'm not sure. That part, I don't know. The fact I don't, that... I, they do um, do terrible things, you know, yeah. you see, but it's, it almost seems like we're, you know, I don't believe anything anymore. And it's like, it's just me wanting to go down and check out some Aztec and Mayan ruins. Yeah, of course. And the Deep South is where it's the scariest. Really? That's where it's bad? That's what I've been led to believe, but mm. I could just be being lied to. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell. That's why it's like, unless you talk to people on the ground, yeah. it's probably... Ve- even because, you know, people tell you... Mexico is scary. Of course, there are a bunch of places in Mexico that are objective right now. Cartel violence is yeah, for real insane. At the same time, you know, there are a bunch of countries that have issued travel advisories about coming to the U.S. Because yeah. they say, yeah, you go to a game, you go to the movies, you go to and you run the risk of getting shot all the time because these crazy bastards are having mass shootings all the time. They're not wrong either. At the same time, you know, the overwhelming majority of the population is going to go through their life without dealing with shit on a regular. But so I think it's like Mexico, too, is like, are there a lot of areas where it's shady as hell? For sure. Are there plenty of areas where life continues like nothing's happening and you don't even see any of the cartel violence? Of course, that's true, too. Yeah. There's a friend of mine at work who looks more Samoan than Mexican. He's a big dude. He's like. I'll take you down there. We'll yeah. be okay. Yeah. I know where to go. And, and that's, that's probably a way safer way to do it. And that's the key. I mean, I remember even moving, uh, when I moved to the US, I moved to Santa Monica initially. And there were literally streets where you walk there and it's nothing my, but multi-million dollar houses. Mm-hmm. And you cross one traffic light and you are in the ghetto. Yeah. Because back then there were areas of Santa Monica that were really ghetto and sketchy. And I'm like, how is this... I can throw a rock from one of place to the other and oh, yeah. you go from ridiculously wealthy where nothing happened because the cops crack down yeah. to get to where everything goes to shit. That edge of Hollywood there where Vermont rolls through. Yeah. It's, it's these incredible buildings or houses from back in the day. And you're right. One block later, it's like, whoa. Happens. But there's a Bangladeshi restaurant there and you, I, I got to try that. So. And it happens all the time when people don't know. Uh, like, for example, they have... Uh, for people, if you ever come to Los Angeles, you go where University of Southern California is. You know, it's a ridiculously expensive private school. Yeah. So people feel, especially international students who don't know any better sometimes, they arrive and they feel like I'm paying whatever, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year. Uh, the campus is immaculate. It looks amazing. So I'm safe. I'm good. And then they walk off campus to go have a burger. One block. And they get robbed and murdered, which, by the way, it's literally what happened with some Chinese students a few years ago that yeah. decided to go have a burger off campus, and it was not a good idea. And I remember, I did the tour in 80, in 92. It was worse then. Mm-hmm. Now they kind of built those sort of strip malls around it, so there's like a little bit of 
but yeah, I'll never forget it. Dude, yeah. It's graffiti everywhere you go, and then you go through those pristine walls, and it's like you've transported to a whole different world. Yeah, it's crazy. And in that sense, they do, like in the series is Narcos, they do a good job to show you how the build-up of the cartel goes. It really, in some way, the part that's good about the Mexico series is that's like a history lesson because they take you when they are weed farmers way back in the day yep. and then slowly start growing, growing, growing and it becomes something else entirely. And uh, it, it's funny too because you realize how doomed the war on drugs is. And in that regard, especially Narcos Colombia did a great historical job of showing you when you're controlling not even millions billions of dollars in narco trafficking money yep you can buy half of the country you can buy the politicians the police the everything and so on a regular basis you have like ministers who warn escobar about an impending raid or you know the highest highest level in government in the police in everything they are in his pocketbook because they were the biggest means of um, production in the whole country yeah 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 yeah. so it's uh it's funny my dad went and built runways in honduras Mm -hmm. in the mid 80s for the upcoming el salvadorian nicaraguan war yeah nobody benefited more off of those oh of course than the colombians drug dealing central yep and they were big runways for the big c5s so yeah 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 bring in anything you want anything yeah oh it's crazy (laughs) that thing by the way was funny because doing uh watching narcos to me was interesting on another level one of the things that we tend to insist on a lot as a topic about communication there are a bunch of moments where they royally screw it up because of poor communication because i mean even somebody like eddie played it right somebody like escobar could have probably retired with all his money and been okay and a lot of it is like you have uh, Escobar not knowing when to quit. You have, uh, and so then, because had he quit when he was still just an trafficker, he could have made a ton of money and got out. Now, once he start bombing civilians left and right, it becomes a bit of a different story. Yeah. Uh, those guys, they don't know whether to turn it on. Like at one point where Escobar, all his associates and family are coming back into the country, so now you have two options. Either you make a deal with them or you bomb right then and wipe them all out. They don't do either. And it's like, uh, you got to make a choice at some point. Yeah, in terms those fellas of haven't come back just to uh, hang out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't know, man. It seems to be a problem. I mean, it's, isn't that what makes these billionaires that they never, it's never enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I get it. I mean, especially when you're talking about an illegal business. Yeah. Not the easiest thing to get out because uh, you know a lot. There's always the question of who maybe as part of the deal we are going to sell out in order to retire and all of that. So it's generally, I mean, they even have it as a line in there. At one point they say one of the narco-trafficker is like, this is not something you can retire for. This is for life. You yeah. know, this is, uh, it's a lifestyle. But of course, as a lifestyle, you don't get to grow old because nobody's luck, no matter how many zillions of dollars you can make, last that long. You know. Do you ever watch Ozark? No, I haven't seen that. That's just interesting because 
end up laundering money for the Mexican cartels. Yeah. You can never please them. No, no. There's there's a point where it only works in the short run, you know? This yeah. is not a retirement kind of thing. Yeah. And this guy's like buying casinos to wash money through. Yeah. It's like, well, we want this $40 million cleared next week. Well, it takes a little longer than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. No, next week. There's um, That's why one of my... One of the crazy stories that I did for History on Fire was um, the Pirate Queen in China at the beginning of the 1800s. Is it opium? No, she was mainly hijacking ships, oh. stealing stuff, and uh, but she controlled uh, 60,000 pirates with this humongous fleet that defeated the Chinese Navy, the British Navy, the Portuguese Navy. To the point where, but she saw where he was going. She realized, hey, I've, I've had a good run, but this is not going to last forever. So when the Chinese government was desperate, he worked a deal with them. And she was like, we keep all our money and we get to have a pardon. And the Chinese government was like, cool. The funny thing is that like some, whatever many thousands of pirates she walked in with, they all got a pardon except for like, 500 or something which makes you wonder what did this guy do to piss her off that she saved everyone else and she just sold out those guys you know she's uh, but yeah she retired got to live to a ripe old age and made the bank being a pirate for over a decade that's not a common story that doesn't happen all that often I'm enjoying the White Baron story quite a bit oh yeah I have not been uh, to part two yet though but Literally backstabbing your own country along yeah. the way is quite something. And then sort of able to flip-flop back and forth in a way. Yeah, the one that it is referring to is the, I think I called it the bloody white. No, it was, um, uh, it's a Mongolian story. And the guy's nickname is the bloody white baron. He was uh, a Russian guy who eventually recruits his own horde and end up conquering parts of Mongolia. And then it's like, Imagine Apocalypse Now, or if you are into literary reference, Heart of Darkness. And that's basically the story where the guy is not a heroic character, not a pleasant character. He's a monster. He's a psycho. But the stuff he does, it just had that otherworldly quality that you're at the edge of your seat going, what the hell did he do? Yeah, or playing the Russians against the Germans was just amazing. How did he ever snuck through that? No, it's, uh, it's... Most people would have been finished from that. Yeah, rather impressive. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Bloody White Baron is... Uh, it's fascinating. It's a disturbing story. It's a great story. Yeah. But yeah, he's not a... You know, yeah, there are your anti-heroes. He's not that. He's just anti-period. Yeah, he's There's, just terrible. Yeah. But of course, there are the moments where you look at him and going like, this guy had balls of steel. Like, there's a scene at one point where he walks... Uh, in the middle of a mutiny where there are like these 1500 soldiers that are ready to defect to the red army they don't the other guys don't know what to do and they send him and one guy by themselves walking into these 1500 angry soldiers and he convinced them not to do that yeah that's some power you know or would roll up on folks and lay the german on them and then blast him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who yeah, goes there? Yeah, because he was me. ethnically German, but part of Russia. So in the war, in World War One, he would just go in perfect German <laughs> right up to them and then shoot them. But yeah, no, the guy was horrendously anti-Semitic, horrendously uh, uh, 
Um, he's sort of the early 1900s version of uh, clean your room and uh, keep it in the pants and he's very moralistic, very... He's constantly whining about the crisis of masculinity and st stuff like that. And you're like... So, yeah, it, he's an interesting character, to say the least. Well, it's a fun one. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. From the, you know, all the stuff we're saying, it sounds like we watch lots of TV. I actually don't. I really like all I'm telling you is pretty much all I've been watching in the last long, long time. Yeah. But yeah, Narcos, Warrior, Rome from way back in the day, all strongly recommended. They are uh, they're a great series. They are really beautifully done. I've never made it to The Wire. No, me neither. I've never checked it out. I've tried it a few times. It just seems old. Yeah. I'm sure it's great. Yeah. There are great shows that I never... I mean, I only watch uh, season one of The Sopranos. And then I watch a few episodes here and there where I was interested in a topic. But I was like, these motherfuckers yell too much. You know, it's like they are constantly <laughs> screaming and angry. And I'm like, I don't want to watch an hour of anger every night. You know, it's like... And don't get me wrong. You know, all the stuff we're recommended is bloody and disturbed. So it's not like... I want to speak in that regard, but for some reason, the anger gets me over the edge. It's like, I don't want to deal with that. I don't know how people binge stuff like that. Yeah. It's I intense. Mean, it was carefully handed out over seven years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to watch all of it in two weeks is just like, whoa. Yeah. That's a lot. How do you think that the anger level in your life rises just a tad? It would have to. Because it's... Come on, Christopher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great show another one great show but yeah i just couldn't quite put up with the level of stress and anger that the characters are constantly unleashing that felt like a little much yeah i don't know there's a lot of murder getting watched in my house so yeah yeah that happens i don't i don't dig it but the day i disappear they're never gonna find me that's that's how it is you got 20 years of research man right be. yes and then he went out for some smokes and never returned yeah and he wasn't even smoking at the time yes <laughs> three years after he stopped smoking or something yeah may 23rd is 11 years for me that you stopped smoking nice impressive because that's not an easy addiction to kick i haven't actually quit i'm merely on hiatus Whatever helps you think, but at the end of that's the day, the, if that's, you the, that's the agreement I made. Yeah. First sign of pancreatic cancer, we get a whole carton. Yeah, no, of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah, that's rough. It's interesting, though, to me, like what we're discussing about um, strategy, which to me is one of the key points of watching Narcos, is the fun of seeing how these guys think, how they play their cards to increase the odds of their success and oh. structure things. It's fascinating because I, I mean, I even see it in interpersonal stuff. I'll tell you a story that's funny. Like a friend of mine, he runs a gym, a martial arts gym with a few other guys. And they were having a problem because I think there are like four partners or something like that. One of them keeps fucking up. He keeps uh, flirting with some women in a rather inappropriate way. You know, he hasn't crossed the line of being like, completely pervy weird but crossed it enough you know where it happened once and they gave him like hey man we cannot do this stuff and then they went to apologize and say okay okay we'll keep it in check make sure this never happens again and then he did it again right 
So now my friend is like, look, I've been friends with this guy for a long time, but fuck him. You know, he's just A, that's bad. B, that's stupid. I can't get your business. Yeah, I can't do business with this guy. So he's trying like desperately figuring out how to get rid of him, especially because one of their other partners, they are too tied to one another and doesn't want to let him go. And he's bending over backwards, trying to figure out ways to justify him, right? So he just shoved him in front of a bus. No, and I was oh. like, oh, I know both of those guys. I know what they are. There are easy ways to get what you want. And uh, my friend was like, really? How? And he's like, well, start with the guy who uh, did the borderline sexual harassment thing. He... He's a great martial artist. He's uh, really out of shape because he eats a lot. And he knows that it's terrible to screw up in the workplace the way he did, and he did it again. So what do we know about the guy? We know that he has no impulse control, basically. So when you go talk to him and you say, hey, man, you know, technically we could get rid of you right now, but we have been friends a long time and all of it. Let's do it in a pleasant way. So I would at least give you something, make it less weird to part ways. And but you don't give him a check. You show up with like five thousand dollars in cash in an envelope that you open the envelope and hand to him to essentially say, and when this dude who has never seen a triple cheeseburger he could ever not shove in his mouth, who has never seen sees a five grand on the table you can bet your ass he's gonna grab it shake hands and say thank you so much uh let's good luck fellas and if there ever was an issue from the other guy the other guys uh, what do i know about the guy the guy is uh, extremely anti-trump anti-republican santa he's very very political on on the left i'm like okay cool so how do you sell it to him that you have to cut a guy that he's so close to? You are selling the, are we condoning sexual harassment here? Or are, are we basically, so essentially what you're saying is that Trump is right, right? You're saying that the- Do whatever you like with exactly, him. Exactly, then that's what you're, uh, just to get the message right. So essentially we are, we are, Trump fanboys here, right? And of course, the guy's gonna have smoke out of his ears just <laughs> thinking that the cognitive dissonance is gonna break him, and that would probably shift things a little bit. And my friend was like, God damn, you're an evil genius. You know, and I was like, Yes, that's my mission in life. It's, and was it implemented? I don't know. It's because oh. uh, he. Um, it's happening these days, so I don't know oh. exactly how it. Uh, but that was Somewhere the plan. In a, in a restaurant right now. Yeah. So, but that was the plan, and that was just. And to me, it's like what I was telling him is: to me, there is evil genius, which is where you do things, you manipulate people to fuck them over. That's evil. There's the other side, which to me is a talent and not a bad thing, is if you play a little bit of games with people to lead them to a place where they walk away happy. To me, if like, call it manipulation or not, but if I can structure something in a way that we will all walk away happy, there's nothing evil about it. You know what I mean? You're not the evil genius. You're the dungeon master. Yeah, it becomes like, okay, well, that actually is a skill because you are, again, if you are making, you are getting what you want and fucking over somebody else who's angry and sad, yeah, you're messed up. But if they walk away happy, and you walk away happy. That's in my book. That's a win all around, you know? So, 
and that's how I think about even like watching Narcos. If that was frustrating as hell, I mean, I loved it, but it, there were parts that were frustrating as when hell. Making their poor decisions because I'm like, dude, this would be so easy to get what you want, but you have to understand that in order for you to get what you want, you need to make sure that the other side gets something that they want. May not be all that they want. There's gonna be compromise, but you need to have them walk away from the table feeling somewhat satisfied with the deal. Otherwise, you're always at war. And then war, you win it a few times, and then you lose it eventually, and it's your head on a pike at some point. And uh, so my... Yeah, I should be hired by the cartels for the diplomatic approach. No, maybe not, because again, as we have seen, uh, nobody... always the other side. Nobody lasts very long in that department. But no, honestly, I mean, I'm joking about the cartels, but like in general, I really think that that's a neglected talent that we should work on more. Is um, And it gets like bad names because it sounds like it's about making compromises, which nobody ever say, yay, today I'm going to make a compromise. It does. It has an ugly sound to it, right? But to me, it's not compromise in that sense. To me, it's about the talent that allow people not to go to war with one another, to get something that they want, and ultimately to feel good about the outcome of some decisions, to feel like, okay, this works good enough. We both got something. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Even like how many people destroy each other's fortunes if they have any money, or even if they have little money, they destroy whatever little they have in divorce proceedings. Oh, yeah, give it all to the lawyers. Exactly, where it's like you want out, they want out, you could demolish each other with nobody winning, or you could both walk away with the least shitty outcome possible for both of you. Call me crazy, but that seemed like a better approach. And of course, two need to be able to play with it, but that's where communication kicks in. And it's not about, you don't convince people based on their soft feelings. Maybe they hate your guts and they want to stab you. You convince them based on how much damage do you want to do to yourself to go after me? You know, it's like... That's a pretty special circumstance, though. Those people are so mad at each other. All they want to do is destroy the other one. True, some of it. But then, of course, there's... I don't think anybody wakes up think. I mean, no, some people do. Some people will be like, I don't care. I'm going to destroy myself to destroy them. Most people don't. It's they are destroying themselves to destroy the other. And they are so motivated that then like they get hurt and they are mad. And now they want to try even harder to destroy the other. Whereas like, just fucking walk away, you know. Just find the good thing where you walk away. You never have to see them again. That's the greatest gift to yourself you can give yourself. So. I just breathe in a nice sigh. Yeah. But I don't know. It's the same as, uh, remember when we had that lady on regarding Taoism and uh, paradoxical nature of sometimes two things that don't seem to go together, finding a way to make them work with each other? It's the only thing that shit gets done. The only other way to get shit done is through war. And war, you don't win it all the time, and it costs a lot. And I don't. I mean war in a literal level, and I mean war also in a metaphorical level. It's usually, if it ever delivers a result, it tends to be very short-lived, you know? So it's like, yeah, you can use uh, selective burning to manage a forest, that's good. You leave that fire going too long, burn the whole thing, not so good. 
and that's where but i don't know i find it interesting to me i i enjoy games of strategy in that regard i enjoy games of strategy where the goal is for both people to walk away winning quote-unquote well, we're sending you up to fix the debt limit next time. Right. That's what a bunch of madness all that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people carving out chunks for themselves through the whole thing anyway. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Nothing ever changes. One of my favorite political things of the last whatever many months, this is from a little bit ago. Remember when there was, uh, where was that? Was it Florida? Where I think it was Florida, where they were uh, all mad about an art teacher showing a statue Michelangelo. of uh, Michelangelo's David in, in class. Yeah. And it's hilarious, because like, never mind that the statue is right in the middle of a fucking square in Florence. But the way he was set up, and I think he was, what was it, 1400s, 15, I think it was beginning of the 1500s, he was placed in a church. So you're like, your standards are such that male nudity offends you to a point yeah. way more than it did 500 years ago among ultra-fundamentalists. You may want to rethink your priorities there, you know? They've lost track in so many ways. I mean, uh, I'm offended by the Lord's work. Yeah. What? It's just madness to see all this. Yeah, it's a little weird because, uh, I mean, think about how weird, really. A statue to be placed in a church in the 1500s. Yeah. Those are as strict as strict standards as they get. These are witch burners that can live with that yeah and you can't live with it in 2023 florida it shows how far down in the hole we are yeah some of that stuff is getting weird well in these interviews i've done with these these folks that are gay or drag queens i mean some of them were raised through religion mm -hmm. and they actually understand in a way that that hatred of your lifestyle is their desperation to save your immortal soul. Right. And I think that's their job. And if it requires us to excommunicate you and never speak to you again or whatever, we'll do anything they can to try to save your soul instead of being pleasant to you and being understanding and, and being with, you know, people disowning their own children. Yeah, speaking of strategy, when did that ever work to never. correct somebody's behavior? I will disown you. That's going to show you the error of your ways. Exactly. That's going to make it easier for me to be there to help make decisions. What the fuck? Yeah, it's bizarre. It's bad. Yeah. That, and that's yeah. a big chunk of our population. Yeah, yeah. And there's no change in their mind. Uh -uh. I'm celebrating right now. The, the James Webb Telescope is showing results that we never dreamed of. Mm -hmm. And the Big Bang is in a lot of trouble right now. Which yeah. is kind of silly anyway. Changing, it's just like, oh, and then one day, whoop. Yes. But yeah, they're seeing fully formed galaxies that are only a half a billion years old. Right. And that's not what they, they were. They, were, they thought they would see primordial yeah. just forming. Nope. Some bigger than the Milky Way, completely up and running. No idea how that could happen. Hmm. So, but willing to go back to the drawing board yeah, and take same. another guess. Okay, that one didn't work. Instead of just like, never, nothing yeah. can change. You must always obey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think Jesus would probably be pretty cool to hang out with because yeah. he was down with the... Someone had a great meme the other day and it's the Last Supper mm -hmm. and Jesus says to everybody, just order water. 
because he's going to change <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheaper. I can yeah. I can handle the switch. Exactly. <laughs> what did I see on Great Me? I saw a meme that was uh, John Connor as a kid from Terminator yeah. when he's giving that look like, what the fuck? And he was like... This is John Connor's face where he realizes you're making friends with AI right now. And he's like, yeah, that was pretty funny. <sighs> yeah, no mentions AI today. It's too scary. Yeah. Well, the fucking music means one thing. That's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Taos podcast. That was a pleasant one. Yes, indeed. It didn't get very political. It didn't get, it was just, I think it's the sunshine. Yeah, the sun after you haven't seen it in too long, it helps the mood oh, for yeah. sure. It makes the flowers look nice. If you, now an hour has gone by, you may have forgotten. If you have a chance to click a like or subscribe to some of the things I mentioned at the beginning, that would be sweet. That includes my Substack. That includes uh, Isabella's YouTube channel. I'll put the links in the episode notes at thedrunkentaoist.com. I'm and very much looking forward to the Bilelli TikToks. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. What I'm going to do is, for History on Fire, I'm going to do, you know, I do the regular episode, two hours, whatever, multiple episodes sometime, and then I'll do a YouTube channel version where I'll, maybe I'll do it in 50 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, but regardless way shorter than the episode with some images and then i'll do the tiktok version where i tell micro story in 50 seconds and uh just get in tell a quick crazy story <laughs> get out and uh i enjoy packaging storytelling in such different ways from tiny tidbits to deep dives and everything in between fantastic bye everybody Would you like to hear a terrible story? Yes, always. One day the rod shall teach you. D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I Good shit. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! All right, let's go to rehearsal. We'll roll on this one. Oh.